Well, it's been a great weekend for us having Ben Goodman with us. Uh, many and many of you know who Ben is. He's been associated and a part of our church in the leadership role for many years now. Uh, for those of you that may not know Ben, uh, Ben lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and he does a lot of traveling ministry. He's also on the ministry staff of a local church down in Fayetteville, Manor Church, a very large church. And he has been a blessing and an integral part of speaking into the lives of the church, the life of the church, as well as many of the lives of each one of us individually. Uh, he's got three wonderful daughters back home, one who's almost 18, one who's 60, <laughs> yeah, pray for him, one who's 16, and one who's 11. So he's got a wonderful family, a wife who allows him to be on the road so much. We just want you to uh, be, obviously, opening your hearts to the message that he has for us this morning. But I also want you to just, even as you're here, sitting here, be praying how you can bless Ben and his family and his ministry in, a, in an offering. Um, it's a challenge for all of us with this whole COVID-19 thing. You can imagine what it does to someone who uh, really makes a good portion of his living traveling when you can't travel. So we just want to encourage you to be praying about what the Lord would have you to give. Uh, with that, Ben, if you want to come on up, I'm going to pray, and he'll probably pray again because that's what we do. But, Father, we just thank you for Ben. We thank you for who he is and what he has been a part of in our own church here and in my life personally, the life of many of us here. God, we pray your blessing upon him, that your provision for him and his family in this ministry. God, we thank you for the, the message you've laid on his heart this morning for each one of us, God. And we just pray for your anointing to be released upon him as he shares and teaches here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Is this on? It's on. We did it right. I'm getting more slick and professional. Not. It's good to be here. It's good to feel a little chill in the air. I mean, for me, I'm from North Carolina, and it's still sort of warm there. It's sort of nice here, but I'm leaving. <laughs> Just a nice little cold vacation. <clears throat> Interesting times, eh? Great time to be a Christian. Really, I'd much rather be a Christian now than not be a Christian now. Mike's prayer was so expansive and so deep. I don't even need to follow it up. I mean, just in the past, when I prayed after you prayed, ah, oh, you forgot something. So I'm only kidding. Only kidding. Come on, guys. I want to start with a scripture that hopefully you're all familiar with. It's a foundational thing. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, this is what Paul says. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For good works which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. I'll just repeat that because I just love this scripture. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, before we were born, so that we should walk in them. I've already, I've always parsed this out in something for me a little more manageable. Um, before we were born, God had a plan for our lives, and two kinds of plan. One, one was sort of like a, a template for the kind of person that he wants us to become. And the other one is he had some purposes 
that he wants us to fill, fulfill. And I just want to reemphasize to all of you, to each of you, um, if you're really old or really young, uh, you're not a mistake. God's not trying to figure out what to do with you. God's sitting there going, well, I need a plan B. He's not doing that. Each one of us have unique gifts, unique callings, unique destinies. These are things that God has laid out as a plan. And there's not a small thing. This is a huge thing. God has got a plan for your life. Everything that God creates, everything that He initiates, has some sort of purpose, some sort of destiny, some sort of desired outcome. Everything. He doesn't just go, ah, I think I'll make a Mike Nelson, see what happens. Everything is planned out. God has got a purpose and a destiny for everything and everybody. This is true for nations. This is true for groups. True for families, true for churches, true for individuals. Living out this plan is not easy. As a matter of fact, if you're, if you're following God and you're not experiencing challenges along the way, maybe you're not following God. Challenges do not negate God's promises. Challenges do not negate God's promises. Many times God will put something in our heart and then there will be the thing. And our natural thing was, well, since there's a challenge, that's uh, probably not God. We've got to get rid of that thinking. We don't want to be presumptuous. But we do want to realize that, God, that challenges do not negate God's promises. As a matter of fact, most of the challenges we experience... Even the ones we bring on on ourselves. These challenges are opportunities for us to experience the destiny and the calling and the promises of God. Everything that comes our way, if we learn to understand them and to navigate them God's ways, these are the ways that God strengthens us and leads us so that we can walk into our promises, walk into our callings. Does that make sense? Christianity is simple, but it's not easy. It just isn't. Let me talk about Israel's journey as an illustration. I want to get to something very specific today, but I don't want to start off with it. Israel's journey out of Egypt toward the promised land is is really sort of a, a model. It gives us an idea of some of the things that God does in our life. Like the people of Israel, they were held captive. They were enslaved to Pharaoh, which is, you know, very much like if you don't know Jesus, no matter what you think, you are held captive to the world system. You're held captive to darkness. You are owned by the enemy. And and you can even get used to that. Anyway, God reached in, raised up Moses, and led these people out of Egypt. And for us, the parallel is, Jesus, we didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus looked for us. And he gave us everything we needed to say yes to his call. And he delivered us out of darkness. He delivered us out of captivity. He 
He delivered us out of slavery to the enemy and to ourselves. It's really, He delivered us out of those nasty things. But God did not deliver us just to get us out of stuff. He delivered us to bring us into stuff. God made very clear promises to the people of Israel. Look, I'll set you free. And I'll bring you into a land of promise. A land of milk and honey. Which for me is no big deal, but I think it was a metaphor. Alright? Milk and honey, great. Where's the chocolate? Anyway. The thing about this destiny, this calling, this promise, the people of Israel actually had no frame of reference to understand what it was that God was talking about. Because all they had known was slavery. All they had known was captivity. All they knew was Pharaoh's rule. That's all they knew. And God says, I got something for you that is not just better, it's other. And in, in, in the New Testament, it's like what God has for us, it's exceedingly abundantly beyond what we've asked for or imagined. And I'm not talking about we all go to Christian Disneyland, but the promises of God are things that are other than anything that we would have ever thought before we got saved. Like, before Mike got saved, I'm sure he said, you know, one day I'm going to be a pastor. Right, not. The journey from captivity toward the promises was sort of a mixed bag. A lot of battles, a lot of victories, some discipline. You know, I got spanked here and there. A lot of miracles, a lot of blessings. God led people, uh, those people through the desert, and just blessed them, provided for them, just fought for them. Testimony after testimony after testimony. My gosh, they were thirsty, and this crazy Jewish guy with a stick, he hit a rock, and they were able to drink. I mean, God provided throughout the whole thing. The blessings of God are awesome. But don't ever mistake the blessings of God for the destiny of God. Just because God's blessing you doesn't mean that you are fulfilling all that God has for you. There is a promised land. The people of Israel, they settled for the blessings. They looked primarily for the blessings. And when they had challenges, they went, oh, let's go back to Egypt where we had steak. Isn't that great? Sometimes... The desire to go back to the good old days, and the good old days are not that good, it involves deception. You know, remember the steak when we had when we were slaves? What? Remember how free we are? We were in bondage. You know, the idea of going back. And look, might as well apply this to the church. There's a lot of things that the church has been doing was really great, but guess what? Don't go back. Don't go back. God's messed with the church not to judge it, but to actually push it forward so it could be more of what it's called to be. Right? Online church is here to stay. Why? Because God's an impersonal God. He's an electronic God. No. The younger generation, that's how they're going to connect. That's going to initially. Sorry. It's the truth. It's the truth. Just as a side note, 
when the, the underground church in China, when they're persecuted, once the pressure yeah, lifts up, you know what the first thing they do is? They figure out ways to meet. We'll never get rid of meeting. But meeting won't be the only thing that we call church. There, did I massage that a little better? That's better. Yeah, pretty soon you'll be like one of those uh, YouTube online influencers. Hey, how are you? Here I am in front of my lake. Anyway, but listen, blessings are not the same as destiny. And I don't, just me personally, I don't, I don't just want the blessings. I'm so happy for the blessings. But I want to experience the fullness of why God put me here on planet Earth. And as long as I'm drawing breath, there's still a chance for me to fulfill everything. Look, when you're dead and you go to heaven, you'll find out how much you, you know, maybe you'll have a little bird bath. Me, I intend to have an Olympic-sized jacuzzi. Now, the people, by faith, they moved out. Um, God brings them out and toward the promised land, got a pretty good leader. And he's got vision from God. When you get a vision from God, you can taste it. It's so real, right? But he knew that he needed to get other leaders to sort of taste what he had tasted. So as they're going... He sends out these spies, these 12 leaders from 12 tribes. And he says, there's this land over there. Just go over there, spy out the land, and just look at it. Get a little taste of it. You know, you be there for 40 days, and you, you can't go to all the sites. <laughs> uh, you can't do all the tours, but you can get a taste of it and come back and report. That's smart. That's, that's smart leadership. You got a vision, get other leaders to sort of experience just a little bit of what's driving you. And then, well, you get the idea. Anyway, so Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. When they, the spies, returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told them and said, We went in and the land to the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. It's like, Mike, you're right. The stuff you've been talking about, it's real. We just got a little taste. It's real. Wouldn't that be exciting? That when you guys sort of buy a whole bunch of land elsewhere, and God said, we're going to plant another church. I'm prophesying right now. Um, we're going to plant another church. And God's going to bring in the funds and all that. And people go, great idea. Maybe it'll happen after I'm in heaven, right? And then a couple other people go, God told me the same thing. There, drive-by prophecy. Be another church plant coming out of here. But more to follow later. Anyway, so they're really excited. Everybody's excited. And then the next word. <clears throat> Nevertheless. Man, it's awesome. The promises are real. We're so excited. Nevertheless, and at this point, they're just being objective, giving a full report. The promises are real. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land, they're strong. And the cities, they're fortified, and they're very large. Moreover, we saw, yes, the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. 
And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea, by the side of the Jordan. This is just a report. Promises are real. And you know, this land we're supposed to take, wherever we set our foot, someone else is already living there. There's a whole bunch of people there. Some are big, some are strong. Big, strong cities. And just given a report. Now Caleb, he's smart. He's one of the spies. And he saw what was going on, and he, let, he wanted to intervene. He wanted to just sort of intercept what he saw was going on, which was the, the, the beginning of the dropping of a seed of fear. He just gets in and he goes, Caleb quieted all the people before Moses, and he said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Why did he do that? He saw what was happening. Have you ever met people with the Ehor anointing or Eeyore? Right? That's a really good idea, but it's going to be hard. Right? Yeah, I don't know. We probably don't have enough money. But what a great idea, huh? You know that Ehor. If you can, customize a poster for me. Alright? Poster of Ehor with a red circle and a thing through it. Anyway. In my office, I have two posters, beautifully framed. Each of them say, make it happen. Now, not because I'm a make it happen kind of guy, but I'm telling you, I want to be like Caleb. I go, yeah, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult, but God said, let's just make this happen. Let's figure out how God wants to make it happen. And it's not because of my personality. I think that's how God wants all of us to be. Um, so Caleb saw something, and he wanted to preempt it, but it was too late. The momentum of fear sets in. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, notice they've gone from, they're strong. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. They haven't They haven't even fought yet. They said, yeah, they're big and strong. Now they're stronger than we are. And then they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored, it devours those living in it. It's different now. It's gone from maybe some true news. Now it's fake news. The land we explored devours those living in it. I'm going to make this relevant. All right? All the people we saw there, they're of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anna come from the Nephilim, you know. We seemed like grasshoppers. We were overwhelmed. When, when, yeah, the promises are great, but geez, look at all that stuff. We were overwhelmed. We were grasshoppers in our own eyes. And guess what? We looked like that to them. We felt overwhelmed. And so the people in the land went, oh, look at these little grasshoppers. It gets worse. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. You've seen nothing. You have not lived until you get a whole bunch of Jewish people who think that their future is going to stink. Oh, we're going to die. Look at it. And they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. 
Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? God, the promises of great God's leading us, all the testimonies through all that, and now God is a trickster and a child abuser. Here, I'm going to trick you into going forward, and then while you go forward, I'm just going to slaughter you. Accusation against God starts rising up. I tell you, fear will do that. You'll end up accusing first your leaders, then God. Then it gets worse. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? What? What? I mean, look. Uh, I won't do it. Then they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. There's always someone as you're going forward. So, oh man, the challenges, the ehor rise up. It won't work. It'll hurt. And it'll be bad. And we'll put loose. And all this is a, a, let's find someone who will take us back to what's familiar and manageable. Help me. You know what the bottom line of this little story is? Fear, and this is so appropriate, fear is a virus. Just a little bit, it grows. You may be asymptomatic, but <laughs> after a while, other people get it. And then people grumble, complain, they get it. And then there's rebellion, there's, no, let's not go forward, let's go back. Fear, is, let's not reach out, let's pull in. Fear will do that. Thing is, this fear is real. Imagine if you were with the people of Israel and you hear these reports, you go, I mean, there was only one network news, right? And you get this report and you go, oh, what do I do? You'd be afraid. You'd be willing to maintain or go back. That's what I would have done. This kind of fear we can reduce to a couple ideas. Yes, the promises are real, but the promises aren't worth the pain. Yes, the promises are real, but the promises aren't worth, worth the pain. What if God says, you know, I've got a great calling on your, your life and your marriage. And you go, I believe in those things, but if that requires me to change, I don't think so. If I can get the other one to change, right? The promises are not worth the pain. Here's another one. These challenges, these challenges, they're actually, we believe the promises of God, yes and amen, but these challenges are greater than the promises of God. They're actually greater than God. That's what it reduces to. These challenges that we often experience, you know what they do? They reveal the condition of our soul. It brings fear to the surface, not so that God can condemn us, but so that He can deal with it. When we have fear of challenges, almost always we're afraid of failure. And when we're afraid of failure, we're afraid of feeling ashamed. Nobody likes that feeling. The fear of the future, this is what happens when we're afraid of the future. We take who we are, how we understand ourselves now, and we project this person into the future. And we go, this person can't handle that future. I'm utterly unqualified to handle that. And the th- truth is, 
That's right. What you don't factor in is, as you go forward, God will transform you. He will equip you. He, the, the person you are now better not be that the person in the future. If you follow God, there'll be a more equipped version of you in that future. And the second thing is, God's promise, you believe God's promise, yes, you'll transform me, but this thing is so big, not even to transform me is going to make that happen. Enter the God factor. God does not tell us how he's going to break through. He's not going to tell us how he's going to make a way. But he makes a way every time. But you can't negotiate with God and go, all right, I know you're transforming, but tell me how you're going to make this happen so that I can go forward in faith. God said, look, the promise is there. Follow me. I'll equip you. you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. Fear is just, we don't factor in what God will do in us, and we can't factor in what God will actually do. Even though we don't see what He's doing, you got to believe He's still working. Great song. So, in, in the face of this fear that has gone viral, Caleb's response, and uh, Joshua, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. That's their way of saying, uh-oh. Listen. Whining a little bit, we understand that. God's patient. But when it comes to full-throated grumbling and complaining, that's like... I mean, God may still bless you, but grumblers and complainers don't get into the promised land. That's what Scripture says. So they fell face down. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite community, listen to this. Listen, the land we passed through and explored, it is exceedingly good. Like it's worth the pain. It's worth the challenge. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into the land. Don't know how yet, but He'll do it. A land flowing with milk and honey. And He will give it to us. How? Don't know, but I believe he'll do it. He said, and he's not a trickster. Only. Now this sounds harsh, but it's just being clear. That's how we say in New Jersey. People go, are you so blunt? No, I'm just clear. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Fear is rebellion. Could be. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. Because we'll devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. I mean, Caleb is not trying to be mean. You all listen. God said He's going to bring us to the land, and He understands your fear. But if your fear rules you, what you're saying is that God's not telling the truth. What you're saying is God can't pull it off. There's something about you just resisting God. There's a rebellion. So don't do it. We can do this. We can do this. We can go forward. We can experience more than the blessings of God. We can We can actually start experiencing the fullness of our promise here on planet Earth. We can do this. And then he was such a good orator. 
The whole assembly talked about stoning them. (laughs) Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, in the hearing of everybody else, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed amongst them. Think of how far God's taken you. I mean, you still got all the way to go. Look at all he's done. You think he's going to stop doing it? God will equip us for the battles that we must fight in order to experience his promises. And then this is what he says. He goes, no one who has treated me with contempt over time will ever see the promised land. I'll still bless them. I'll still care for them. I will love them. I'll provide for them. But if they show contempt, they'll, they'll die in the desert, happy people. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Notice there's nothing about, well, this Caleb, he's a courageous dude. You know, he's a, a hot, you know, he's a, you know, on all his personality things, he's hard driving and all that. And he's got experience, and he's a great warrior. And no, it's just the only thing that qualified Caleb is, in spite of all the challenges, I believe in God's promises. I'm going to follow him, let him change me, let him equip me, and I'm going to let him bring me into the promised land. That's all that qualified him. Caleb had a different spirit. This is what I believe. I believe God put it in there, not just so we could go, wow, that Caleb was really great, but it stinks being us. There are things that I I believe God wants to impart to us. We can ask God for the heart of Caleb. The Holy Spirit, God's larger than our hearts. That's what 1 John says. God's larger than our hearts. And if you got the Eeyore thing, or Eeyore, some kid corrected me. I said Eeyore, and they went, Eeyore. If you've got that, or you're just afraid of the future, so you just figure, I'm going to manage my present or go back to my past. If you've got that struggle, don't give up. God is greater than your heart. God is able to drop a Caleb seed into your heart. And that over time, you'll have the heart of Caleb. The next time a challenge comes, you won't go, well, that's an obstacle. You'll go, that's an opportunity. This is not positive thinking. This is kingdom thinking. The heart of Caleb is simply believing God believing the promises are worth the pain and the challenges. But most importantly, looking at challenges as opportunities instead of disqualifiers or, or obstacles. That way of living will keep on going forward. The real question is, well, if you want, if you already have a heart of Caleb, but you'd like to expand it, or you go, I'd like a little bit of that. I'm like one of those who go, oh, let's go back. I'm not ready to stone Mike. But if you're going, I'd like a heart of Caleb, please stand.
And if you can't stand, just go like this. Do you want to manage your life? Do you want to experience the blessings of God and be brought in to the promises of God? Some of the primary reasons why you've been put on planet Earth. I want to pray for us. The Holy Spirit's here. I got my prayer. Maybe the Holy Spirit will ride on the prayers. My prayers aren't magic. But the first thing I'm going to do is many times the spirit of fear has been woven in so and integrated so deeply into how we do things. We wouldn't call it fear. We would call it cautious wisdom. I want to pray against the deception of the spirit of fear. The idea that the good old days were better than now. That that kind of thing. Fear produces deception. So I want to pray for us for that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. Please forgive us for any and all. we've, We've embraced fear, sometimes knowingly, sometimes we unknowingly. But Lord, we have authority over the spirit of fear. And in the name of Jesus, I first declare that this spirit of fear is no longer a familiar voice. It is the voice of a stranger. Lord, come and just start washing away shame and guilt and the familiarity with fear. The thing that helps us be disqualified for the promises. Holy Spirit, come dismantle fear in our lives and by your Spirit grow the heart of Caleb. Lord, there are people here who'd like to become saved, really do it, but they're afraid. God, would you touch the fear and make this the day they start their journey into the promises of God. And for those, even those who are here in church who have been far from God, there's a fear well, if I come back, then what? Or if I repent and try doing things this way, I'll probably fail. The fear of coming back, doing a restart, do-over. God, I ask that you would just bless those people and give them courage to come on back, to restore. They'd be embraced by God and given a new calling, a new destiny, and a fresh start. Lord, for this church, for the things that you have for it as a family. I pray the heart of Caleb, not the heart of presumption, not the heart of name and claim it, but the heart of of Caleb to see the promises of God, to believe the promises of God, to believe that God is way bigger than the challenges. May this be a church that is increasingly known as that's that church that believes God for things that are way beyond their capacity. God, would you do this for our sakes? Do this for the sakes of the people that we say we love. And God, would you do this for the sake of your name, which we carry with us wherever we go? May we increasingly grow in the heart of Caleb.